Good morning, everyone. Let's start our time with this call to worship from Psalm 105. You can find it on your phones, uh, uh, trinityparkchurch.org, or on our app. As we read this, let's prepare our hearts for worship and uh, remember that it's not primarily about what we do or how good our singing is or what clothes we wear or something, but really the position of our heart, right? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones.
the Lord upon a tree in the stead of ruined sinners hangs the lamb in victory see the price of our redemption see the Father's plan unfold bringing many sons to glory grace unheld in power resurrected as we will be when he comes good morning we come now to a time of corporate confession of sin and the reason why we confess our sin together is because not only am I a sinner, not only am I broken and needy, but we're sinners, and we are broken and needy. So by confessing our sin together out loud, we confess to each other and to the world that we are all sinners, and we all together need uh, the grace of God. So would you uh, say this with me together? Eternal and merciful God, 
You have loved us with a love beyond our understanding, and you have set us on paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Yet we have strayed from your way. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Through what we have done and what we have left undone, and we remember the lavish gift of your grace symbolized in baptism. We praise you and give you thanks that you forgive us yet again. Grant us now, we pray, the grace to die daily to sin and to rise daily to new life in Christ, who lives and reigns with you and in whose strong name we pray, amen. So now take this time to pray silently uh, to God. Hear this assurance of pardoning grace from Acts 10. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Amen. So now we're moving into a time of offering. Uh, we thank you all for your generosity to Trinity Park Church. If you'd like to give online, you can give through our website or through the app. Or if you'd prefer to give uh, in person, there's a basket here uh, at the front. Um, so uh, thank you so much again for your generosity. So please stand as we sing. Wash all my sins away. 
Thy precious blood shall never lose its flower till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be seated. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you now knowing that you are a God who hears us, who knows what we need before we ask, and yet you delight to hear our prayers. So we thank you that you are a God who is near to us and hears us. Um, so we come and we ask, Lord. We pray to you now, Lord, for many things. And we begin by saying thank you, Lord, for this season of rest. Uh, thank you for summer. Thank you when we, uh, through vacations, through traveling, can enjoy a small taste of the Sabbath rest that is yet to come for us as your people. Lord, I pray for those who are traveling, who are a part of our church. I pray that you would keep them safe. I pray that you would help them to enjoy that time with their family. And I also ask, Lord, that as they enjoy that uh, small uh, bit of rest, Lord God, that small Sabbath rest, Lord, I pray that through their rest, through the way that they rest, that they would show to the world that there's a greater rest yet to come, Lord. So. Grant us rest, Lord. Grant us rest from our labors, not so that we can keep on resting, but so that we can work for your kingdom, Lord. So would you grant us rest, and would you help us to rest uh, for your glory? Lord, I also pray for those right now who aren't experiencing rest or who can't experience rest. I pray for Evan Law, who tore his Achilles last week. 
who is immobilized right now, I pray that you would comfort him in his pain. I pray that you would heal him, Lord, and I pray that you would be with him as he is uh, anticipating surgery this week. Lord, please comfort him. Please ease his pain and be near to him. Please be with Sarah and Lucy as they attend to Evan. Um, Lord, I pray that you would give them strength as well, Lord, during this tough time. I pray also for Ina Kim, who was induced this morning. I pray for a safe delivery of her baby. I pray that you would be with her and John and watch over their family, their kids. And I pray that even in this uh, time of unrest, Lord, I pray that you would grant them rest knowing that you are their God and that you are watching over them, Lord. So please be with them and bless their child. Lord, I pray for Drew and Lindsay Wilkins and their family. I thank you so much that they've uh, come home and we praise you, Lord God, for their new child. I pray, Lord, that they would adjust uh, well to being a family of eight. Lord, and I pray that you would provide for all their needs during this challenging time, and I pray that uh, in their times of unrest that we as a church would come alongside them, Lord. So help us to do that well as well. Lord, I also pray for places around the world where people are experiencing unrest. I pray for South Africa where uh, in the past week alone two, more than 200 people have died because of riots and uh, looting and violence and conflict, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring your rest to that nation. I pray for the churches and the Christians in South Africa that they would bring rest to their neighbors and that they would bring hope to them and that they would love their neighbors even in this challenging time or especially in this challenging time that they would shine the light of Christ to them. Lord, I pray also for Myanmar, a country in Southeast Asia where uh, there's been so much unrest and conflict for so long. Um, Lord, so much political unrest and uncertainty. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring your peace to that nation. I pray, Lord God, for an end to the conflict. And I pray for the believers there, again, that they would be beacons of hope to the people around them and that you would strengthen them to love their neighbors well. Lord, I pray um, for... Uh, the Olympics that are starting this week in Japan. Lord, so many eyes will be focused on the nation of Japan starting this week. And I pray for Japan, which is a country where so few know the name of Jesus. I pray that during this season when uh, eyes will be focused on that country, that people will lift up prayers for Japan and for the people there, that they would come to know Jesus. And I pray that even as people travel there, that they would bring the gospel with them and that people in Japan would have ears to hear uh, what you have to say to them. Lord, I pray for the continuing uh, challenges of COVID around the world, um, in places where the vaccine is not available, in places where uh, people can't meet and worship even like this. I pray again, Lord, that you would bring rest and peace uh, to those places, Lord, and I pray uh, for those who are uh, endangered and uh, marginalized or uh, suffering because of COVID. Lord, please uh, bring your peace. Lord, I pray now as we uh, come to hear the preaching of your word, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. I pray that you would silence the noise around us as we uh, hear from you. I pray for Po Wing as he comes up here to preach that you would grant him your Holy Spirit so that he 
uh, could say only what you would have him to say from your word. Lord, so would you please be with him and be with us so that we could hear what you have to say. I thank you and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The reading of scripture. Second Chronicles 16:9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. <clears throat> Luke 14:27. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Acts 5, 40 through 41. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Acts 59, 8 through 4. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. A very good morning to you. It's my, my honor to be here and uh, first time to be standing here and looking at all of us. Uh, it's, it's, it's very strange for me because it looks like I'm doing all the hard work and you guys are having a picnic. <laughs> Let's pray. Our Father, we want to ask that Lord you speak to us now at this hour. I pray, Father, that you have mercy on each one of us. And I pray, Father, that you will give me the conviction, the words of the Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. You know, God's kingdom advances through both good and bad times. You know, from our present limited perspective, we really cannot be sure that our bad times are really bad times because in the Bible, God says that he'll work all things out eventually. Now today, the COVID-19 pandemic has shut down many countries. And some of these countries are countries that are persecuting Christians and the church. But because of COVID-19, some of them have diverted their attention from persecuting Christians who are taking care of this virus. So we see God allowing pandemics. And people are asking, is this God's judgment? I don't know. But I know that God has allowed COVID-19 to be all over the world, and we have to deal with this crisis. Uh, this crisis have, 
has closed many countries. Uh, missionaries cannot go back if they, they leave the country. Uh, missionaries are stuck, and I'm one of your missionaries. Uh, I used to go to China, I used to go to India, but both countries are closed. I, I just had a talk, a conversation with a, uh, a sports, a, a missionary who is in sports, who serves in a closed country, and she's back. She's been back for the last one year. She still has a visa, but she's not sure if she can go back. And as we were talking about it, uh, we are wondering what is this crisis doing to ministry in the country? And uh, we both agree, maybe the crisis is causing the nationals, the people who have been discipled, people who have been going to churches, people who have become Christians as a result of missionaries coming in from the outside, to become, this is the wake-up call. This is our turn to stand up and serve because we can't wait for the missionaries to come back. So as we look at the book of Acts, we find God using crisis. He is, he prepared, he was prodding the people. He was pushing his church to be involved in world evangelization. Now the topic I have this morning for you is God's method. God's methods in world evangelization. And as I look at the book of Acts, I believe that he uses primarily two methods. He uses men, and of course that includes women. He uses men, and he uses means to fulfill the Great Commission. Men, we, we, we went through, I think right now we are almost done with the book of Acts probably somewhere in chapter 20-something. And we see men after men, the apostles, were called out. Uh, they became the pillars of the church, right? Peter, James, and John. And we find God using Stephen, using Barnabas, using Dorcas, using Cornelius uh, to reach the Gentiles. Various people. Uh, in the book of Acts, we find God using all these people who are made in His image. He loved them and He wants to use them. And I believe He loves us and He wants to use us, use us to do significant things for the church. He even used enemies, people who crucified His Son. We find that in Acts 6-7 it says, And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And these are people who had a hand in crucifying Jesus. He began to use Saul, who became Paul. God loves everyone. God used men and women for world evangelization. And so God's methods, as we look at the book of Acts, are primarily men and means. And God is still using men and women and means today to achieve that. And so the pandemic is a good time. Maybe we, I don't know about you, I rested a lot this last one year. Maybe it's a time, it's, it has been a time to rest and recharge. 
because God has an assignment for all of us. And so the question really is, are we available? Are we hearing His voice? What is He preparing us to do? Yeah, we know is world evangelization, but what is my part? What is your part in that? So pandemic is a good time to prepare because anyway, there are many things we can do, right? So Google, I challenge you today, go back and look at this, Google this expression, the people or the man God uses. See, if we say that men and women are, are one of God's primary methods in world evangelization, I would be interested to know why did God use so-and-so? So Google that. I did that yesterday. The man God uses. And let me recommend to you, uh, there are many books written with that title, but let me recommend one particular book with the title, The Man God Uses by Oswald J. Smith. Now he's deceased. He's a Canadian. Uh, he was born more than a century ago, in 18-something. But God has put a burden on him to be involved in world evangelization. He wanted to be a missionary. But you know what? Poor health. He had poor health, and every mission organization he went to, they turned him down. And so what happened? What did he do? He founded the People's Church in Toronto. And that church became a a lighthouse, I would say, because they sent out hundreds, hundreds and thousands of missionaries over the history of the church, more than a hundred years. And they have given more than a million dollars. I can't remember the last time it was more than a million dollars to world missions. And you know, God's humor is such that as he got older, Oswald Smith could travel. You know, he was turned down by missions agencies, right? But then as he got older, he was able to go overseas. He preached in the former Soviet Union. He preached in Eastern Europe. So he preached. That's God's humor, right? That was in his heart to be involved in world evangelization. God uses men and women. He has always done that for world evangelization. Why did God use him? Why did God use so-and-so? I believe one of the primary reasons is that they were available, and not just that, it's because they are clean. They have confessed their sins, and they are washed clean, and God can use a clean instrument. Uh, we are Presbyterians, aren't we? Every Sunday we come and we have the confession of sins. Why? To be up to date with God. Why? Because as we read that passage, God will bring to our minds, hey, you're not very right over there. You need to confess. God uses clean instruments. And I believe that's the reason why God used certain people. A lady was at her dental at a dentist's office and she was her teeth were being cleaned by a hygienist and she could see the hygienist dropped the instrument on the floor she picked it up and said and mumbled to herself well, i think i'll just use lysol and wiped it i should be okay 
And before she could stop her, the instruments were in her mouth. Now let me ask you this question. If you are the lady, would you stop her and say, please give me new, clean instruments? I would. I'm sure many of you would. Well, if that is the case, why do you suppose God only used clean instruments? We think God will use anybody. I don't think so. That's the reason why we confess our sins so we are up to date. Well, I guess Americans would say, I have fast up everything so that I come clean with God, so that He can use me. And that's what our confession of faith is all about. So that after I have done that, I have cleared everything before God. Lord, reveal to me what I have done wrong. We call this progressive sanctification. Yes, Jesus saved us from all our sins. The day I became, I became a Christian, He has forgiven me of all my sins. But you know what happened is that in reality, in life, as we live with Him, He will reveal shortcomings to us. That's a sin. And he's waiting for us to confess that. Let me tell you one of the biggest revivals in China. If you can, read Shangtung Revival in the province of Shangtung in China. It came about because a missionary. Think about it. It's not a church member. It's a missionary, a young lady. She confessed her sin. She was asking God, why is there no revival in this place? You work so hard. Year after year, it's like knocking on doors and it, it doesn't open. They don't open. And God revealed to her, you know what was the sin? She stole 25 cents worth of something when she was a child. Now, that was back in the 1920s. Now, 25 cents back then, I don't know how much it is right now. But God put a finger on that sin. 25 cents. And you know, what? you know what she did? She wrote back to the store, no email, long distance, and put a dollar bill in there. I think that 25 cents with interest, a dollar will cover it. And she sent it back and confessed. You know what happened after that? Revival broke out in that mission station. Other missionaries came alive. And there was a revival of the work. So let's not shortchange ourselves. God uses men and women, but only clean men and women, clean instruments. Now, besides men and women that God used in the past, and besides men and women that God uses now, God also used means in the book of Acts. He used means for world evangelization. In the Old Testament, when no man, nobody was available, it's interesting how God used means. Like God used a donkey, a talking donkey, to rebuke one of his so-called prophets, Balaam. Right? Nobody was available. Okay, use a donkey. That's a means. In the book of Acts, God used an angel. We read that. A few months ago, he went to the jail, and what happened? He, the angel opened the doors of the jail and took away Peter's shackles and let him out. 
no one was available to free Peter. They were praying. Actually, they didn't really believe that God is going to set him free because he was left standing outside the door, right? I believe God could have just taken Peter and tally, tally transport him like he did. What's his name? Philip. Remember Philip spoke to the eunuch and he had to travel there on his own. But when he finished his assignment, the Bible says God took him and brought him to Azotus. God could have done that, but he did not. He used an angel. So we find that God uses means. And one of his favorite means is crisis. He uses crisis. Why? Because crisis is a language that we understand. We don't understand good times. But when God sends crisis, we understand. We appreciate crisis. And many incidences in the book of Acts, they were crisis. Some of them are crises they have never dealt with before. So we sometimes hear people say that so-and-so have a crisis of faith. You wonder where that came from. I believe God sends crisis of faith to us. Why? To test our faith and to strengthen our faith. Crisis jolts us. Without crisis, if we are left on our own, I, I speak for myself. If I don't have a crisis, I probably just coast. I'll just take life easy. But when I face a crisis, I get up and I say, hey, I have a problem. I have a deal with it, right? And the interesting thing is the word crisis in Chinese. Now, let, let, let's say this. I, I don't see many Chinese here. Oh, yes, I see one from mainland China. Crisis in Chinese is, consists, of, consists of two words in Chinese, all right? It means weiji, weiji, danger and opportunity or danger and a way or a turning point. Now we know that if you, if you Google it, it's debatable and I'm not a linguist, all right? I, I'm not gonna go there. But the two words really, if you take the word at face value, it means danger. When you face a crisis, it's a danger but it's also an opportunity. So it depends on how we look at it, negative and positive. So in, in Greek, the word crisis is in the Bible. Instead of spelling it with a C, it's spelled with a K, all right? So we find that COVID-19 is a crisis. And this crisis has spawned a lot of other small crises. A lack of toilet paper and sanitation wipes, that's that small thing. But for one at one time, it was a big thing, all right? But it spawned a lot of other big crises. Crises like health, like infections, like travel, your travel plans are all up in the air. You don't know if you're traveling. Employment, many of us have lost jobs. Uh, schooling for our children. Is it safe to bring them back to school? Uh, church venue. We lost our church venue. That's the reason why we are here. Uh, worship. 
Can we worship together in one place again? Will it ever be the same again? There's a big debate there. Because those are crises. So we have all these crises, and I believe God uses them to wake us up, to sound the alarm. He used crises to grow and deepen our faith. Look at James 1. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials and various, of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Substitute in that verse. I guess you are facing a crisis right now, right? Weather forecast says no rain. Now it's raining, okay? Um, the purpose of the crisis is to produce steadfastness, character, in the book of James, that I've just read. So God was using means, crisis, in the book of Acts for world evangelization. And let me just quickly give you some examples that we have gone through. He used persecutions, right, from chapter 3 to chapter 8 and the rest of the book. Lots of persecutions to grow the church. Uh, church discipline, Ananias and Sapphira in chapter 5. That's a crisis. You mean, if you have never thought of it, think about it this way. You are Ananias and Sapphira's children, and the church disciplined your parents. You went to church and they didn't come home. That's a crisis. This unity, the distribution of food in chapter 6. Uh, the martyrdom of Stephen and then James later on. That's a supreme crisis. Stick with Jesus and you die. Renounce your faith and you live. Now, for Americans, we don't face that kind of choices. But that's not true in other parts of the world. Life and death. And if you are a missionary, you may never come back. And that's the thought that I have. I go to China and India, I may not come back. And that intense persecution, we read that in chapter 8 this morning. The disciples were dispersed. They had no choice. They wanted to stay in Jerusalem. I'm not sure whether you missed that. The Great Commission is to share the gospel, not just in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But they chose to stay in Jerusalem. And so God used persecution to kick them out. The church that I used to pastor, we support a couple. They are missionaries with Wycliffe Bible translators. They have been in China since the late 80s and early 90s. That means to say that they have served there for about 30 years, which is older than some of you here. They have done that for 30 years. And all of a sudden, they get a knock on their door, and the police came in, confiscated all their computers, hard drives, and said, you have a few hours to leave. Pack your things. How do you feel? I mean, that's what the, the people in Jerusalem experienced. They were kicked out. And you know, God used that for world evangelization. And these missionaries were kicked out, but they're doing other things now. Okay, God has other plans for them. It's very hard. And then God used darkness, right? Sickness. That's a crisis. Uh, by the way, um, no, no apostle, as I can remember, came back from the dead. 
but Doc is dead, and she's not even an apostle. That's a crisis. And then you have imprisonments, false trials that we talked about last week, stoning, threats, storms, shipwrecks in chapter 27. And Paul challenged the Corinthians in chapter 11, verse 1, asking the Christians in Corinth to imitate me. See, I think often we, we read that and say, oh, that's, it's good to imitate Paul. But do you know, I think, think about it. If we are to imitate Paul, it means that we imitate also the experiences of shipwrecks, being adrift at sea, being beaten, being stoned, being starved, put in jail, falsely accused. Wow, does that include all that? I think it does. Don't you think so? That is very hard. And false, frank confession, which is his, he basically opened up his heart to the Corinthians. Why? Because he founded the church. In, first, in 2 Corinthians 11, this is what he said. Verse 21, To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. He's being falsely accused by a group of people. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from all uh, from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? If you read this passage carefully, you discover that Paul's emphasis was not on his boasting, but was on his weakness. Because he started talking about his weakness, he ends by talking about his weakness. Sandwiched in between are his experiences. I'm not sure about you. I don't swim. I don't think I will last an hour in the ocean. To be shipwrecked one time is bad enough to be shipwrecked three times. And then to be out there for a day and a night. Wow. That is because he's obedient to the gospel. Imitate Paul. Think, think again. Think hard. Is that what we want? God used Paul, and God wants to use us. And he used this means to mold Paul's character. So it's so easy to read and rush over that. And one of Paul's concluding thoughts is that famous verse in verse 9. My grace. He prayed three times that God will remove something from him. 
a thorn in his flesh, and we don't know what that was. Maybe bad eyesight, like me. But he prayed, and God says no. And God's answer to him was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I have news for us. If you feel like you are weak and you are useless, those are the people. You are exactly the kind of people God loves to use. He loves to use weak people. Why? Because then when you boast, people know that it's not you. It's the God who works through you. So there are so many crises that Paul and the early church faced. And through the crisis, they fought through them all. And they grabbed hold of the opportunities that God gave them through the crisis. And they grew and became stronger in their faith. I hope we will see opportunities that God is presenting to us in the midst of our crisis. Yes, there is danger. Can we talk with, to people? Close up? Share the gospel? Maybe that person has COVID and I'll catch it. Maybe. We don't know. That's a danger. But God gives us opportunities. And when God gives us opportunities, do we use them? I hope you will see many opportunities for each one of us so that God can use each one of us and through the means for world evangelization. Now, for almost a year, right, uh, COVID has shut the world down. And as a result of that, we have all kinds of issues. We are uncomfortable. But you know, in the church, there are people with missions eyes. Have you heard of this expression? They have missions eyes. That means to say that God gives them an impression what the future is like. And so they are at the forefront. They do things differently from other people. Did you know that there, there is a church? And I'm, think, I'm thinking that there must be others because this was in the news, um, Christian news, in Tennessee. More than a year before COVID hit the U.S., they already started online worship. Zoom. Do you believe that? Uh, I think we are a little bit slow, right? But they are way ahead right there. So let's make full use of all the opportunities uh, that God has given to us uh, Another piece of news, headline news, it says, Use money for missions, not buildings. Korean leader and Rick Warren asserts. Now, this is the headline from the Baptist Press. I've been a lifelong Baptist until I became a member of Trinity Park, all right? They interviewed two world leaders, one in U.S., one in Korea. Uh, Paul Yonggi Cho has the largest church at that time, 750,000. But I think some churches somewhere in Brazil, I think Brazil, uh, is bigger than that right now. Okay, They were interviewed about how they look at the church and how to do world evangelization. And this is what Cho said. Their building is bursting at the seams. They can accommodate people. We, let me quote, he says, quote, 
we are so jammed that we have no way to keep growing except by going to cyberspace. And Cho told his young people, let me quote, don't come to church, just stay home and get your teaching through the internet. And the other things are exactly what we're doing. Small groups meeting in small places. And then he said something else. Let me quote, it is silly to build larger and larger church buildings. It is silly to spend more money on branch church buildings. You would never have enough. I really believe this. And I have already announced to my people and ministers that the next step is to go into total cyberspace ministry because it is, real, it is a real waste of money to build larger buildings. And Rick Warren agrees. And Rick Warren said this, quote, no matter how much land you have, it eventually fills up. Besides, just think of that money and how it could be used for missions. Our goal is to decentralize, to send our church members out for ministry into their neighborhoods. Now, the shocking thing about it is this. When was this interview done? You may not believe it. It was done in July 22001. We are talking about 20 years ago. 20 years ago, they are, they are already on the internet. We are really behind time. So God uses man and means. He uses the internet. Let's make use of every opportunity. Okay, now I realize it's raining. If you, if I guess some of you can move into the shelters, I think it'll be easy. I'll try to finish as soon as I can. In Galatians 6.10, we have this. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Ephesians 5.16, make the most of every opportunity. You can Google the word opportunity and it will come pop up. God is saying, use every opportunity for the kingdom. Are we hearing that? Thomas Edison said this quote, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. And Landers said this quote, opportunities are usually disguised as hard work so most people don't recognize them. Les Brown, I don't know who he is, he said something easy, even better. Quote, remember, in life, you will always be faced with a series of God-ordained opportunities, brilliantly disguised as problems and challenges. And someone add this, they are insoluble problems. So during this crisis, how do we deal with it and find the opportunity? And I'm just going to give a few examples. Think of Brother uh, Pastor Wang Yi sitting in prison. He's been there since December 2019. Many, many, many days. Now, for most of us, oh, he's just uh, some Chinese pastor sitting somewhere in China. But for, Co for Corey, is different. Why? Because Corey knows him. Corey worked with him. I met him in Hong Kong a few years ago. I shook hands with him. I talked with him. It gives me a, a different perspective because now I think about it. Wow, you really can be in prison for sharing the gospel. You really can be in prison when you preach. See, it's no longer just 
a name on a face or on a page, but he's a real person. And you know what he said? Um, this year he can't even talk to his lawyers. That's how bad it is, it was in China. It is in China. But last year, in January of last year, this was what his lawyer said. According to Wang Yi's past uh, lawyer, the Presbyterian pastor quote will not appeal his nine-year prison sentence. Instead, he will serve it full. His lawyer said, quote, God is continuing his ministry by moving him from the courtroom to prison. So I believe what he's saying is that I want to do what Paul is doing. I want to be a witness while I'm sitting in prison that this is unjust. And I'm going to reach prisoners. We don't know. Only time will tell if he is successful. Saudi Arabia, close country. But you know COVID-19 really changed things around? Fear is gripping Saudi Arabia. Why? Because without the gospel, there is really no hope. And so what happened is that we have missionaries. They can worship just like everybody else. They, they can meet people like everybody else. And so they move from a church building to their cars. They call them church on wheels. And then they will go to shopping centers. They will go to places where it's still okay to talk to one or two persons. And they will go there and tell them this. We are here to pray for you. We want to pray that you will experience peace in the midst of all these struggles. And they say that every week, somebody will come up to them and, and in tears and say, thank you so much. You have no idea how much it meant to me that you came here today, that you prayed for me and that you shared with me today, that you cared about my family and that you are listening to me. And hopefully many of them will come to know Jesus Christ. In UK, the whole of last year, they, they shut down the campuses. I have a former church member who is working with college students. She was saying that last year, because of COVID, it was like baking a cake without an oven. Have you tried that? Baking a cake without oven? It's tough. So how do you reach people? And so they discovered new ways. And one way of reaching people, they began to walk with them. They will make appointments to walk with students. And their fears comes out, you know, and they can share the gospel with them. Uh, my own experience, God gave me an opportunity. You know, I was a previous pastor, and so I play racquetball. People are afraid of pastors. Now, we, we exchange uh, pleasantries and we talk about it, and then, you know, the moment you say, oh, what do you do? Oh, I was a pastor. Oh, the conversation closes. Uh, you don't experience it, I experience it. It's very hard. I find that it's so much easier for me to share the gospel when I don't have the title. And I'm glad I don't have the title now. So what happened? I play racquetball with a group of guys. I like the exercise, but I also like to meet people. We have 20, 30 people on the list, the email list that we are having a game. And this guy was sent out this email. He's a Bible study leader of a Baptist church. He leads a men's group. So I went up to him one day and I asked, um, you know, we, we would celebrate his birthday. 
because he's the leader of the group. And I've been to a couple of those. Very good, but the gospel is never shared. Okay, we are, we are just good friends. So I told him that I'm turning 65. That was one and a half years ago, just before COVID. May I use your email chain to send an invitation to everybody to come to my birthday party. Uh, I'm going to have it in a Chinese restaurant. I'm going, to pay, I'm going to pay the bill. He said, well, you can do that. So I sent out the invitation. Six of us were there. When we went there, I prayed. I'm telling you, my wife and I prayed. My children prayed. I asked missionaries to pray for me. I don't know what to say to hot-blooded Americans in their 50s, 60s, you know, uh, in a restaurant. So we arrived at the buffet restaurant. I asked for a private room. They gave us a private room, but there are 10 tables in it. And it was noisy. It was crowded. Okay. And I sent out an SOS to God. How am I going to share the gospel? You know, I can barely hear myself. You know, and I'm, I'm deaf. I'm wearing hearing aid on both sides. Okay. So I prayed. So I said, let's just go and eat. You know? So they, they ate their appetizers, their first course, and everybody was done. And I started on giving them my testimony, how I became a Christian. Very non-threatening, it's all about me. Within five minutes, the room was empty except our table. The rest have left. Isn't that God's answer to prayer? I was so clear. It's like God saying, now you can speak to your heart's content. So I shared my testimony. You know, I came from a non-Christian family. My parents are Taoists, Buddhists, animists, all mixed together. It's a very complicated religion. That's where, that's, that's our background, my wife and I. Becoming a Christian, it's, it's a sacrifice. I was persecuted. It was hard. So I shared with them why I became a Christian. So the plan of salvation, I shared with them. So my friends heard it. And then at the end of it, I gave each of them a gospel tract. And the gospel of John, at the end of it, has the plan of salvation all written out. And I pray that they will take hold of that. Now the next day, I got a phone call from one of the guys. Hey, you know what, Poeng? I got a call from so-and-so today, and he was asking me about what you said last night. What do you think? Now, I hope that that started the ball rolling for some of those guys. You know, that's an opportunity that I pushed through. And I thank God I pushed through. You know why? Because after that meeting, within a little more than a few months, that that fitness center closed because of COVID and it has been closed ever since. It has gone bankrupt. I will never see many of those guys again. They're in Raleigh. They're not going to drive all the way to Morrisville to play racquetball with me. Opportunity. I thank God that I took hold of the opportunity. This past Thursday, I went to visit one of those guys. He has cancer. He discovered it this year. He was playing. 
He's 51 years old. He's very young. He's very fit. He plays racquetball. Lymphoma. And so I, I found out, and I said, can I bring a meal? I went, I visited with him, and when I was about to leave, I said, can I pray for you? And then he said, Pastor, please. And that shocked me, because he has never called me Pastor. And he said, Pastor, wow, please pray. Um, that is the first meeting with him. I hope that I'll get a follow-up, that he will get better. See, he's facing a crisis. I know he doesn't go to church. And I'm sure God gives to each one of us opportunities. You see, these are my friends. What kind of friend am I if I don't tell them the greatest news of all? If I don't, I'm not really a friend. And so I'm sure you guys have many friends, relatives, and I think God gives all of us opportunities. And I think until we have shared with each one of them and used the opportunity God has given us, then we have failed in world evangelization. The passage we read this morning, Second uh, Chronicles 16.9 says, the, the eyes of the Lord, I'm reading now from the New Living Translation, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. And I think He's looking for people who are fully committed, people who have confessed and are willing to be used. And God is still looking for men and He will give us opportunities to be useful. The question is, are we going to grab hold of the opportunities or let it just slide by? Now, let me end this. Uh, my friend is the, who sends out the email to the racquetball guys. Um, he has played racquetball with them, some of them for 20 over years. I asked him point blank. Have you ever shared the gospel with any of these guys? His answer was, no. I share with my life. And I told him, you could very well be a very good Buddhist, for all I know. You know? So, share. And you know what? When we do that, we will reap benefits. We will see lives changed. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we want to thank you that Every day you give to each one of us opportunities to be your servants, to be spokespeople uh, to the people around us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be useful in reaching uh, people and building your kingdom. Father, I pray that I beg you that you will use each one of us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's finish our worship time together by celebrating the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone of the church and the foundation of our faith, who is living and reigning and right now is working all things, even our stormy trials, together for the advancement of God's kingdom and his glory. The day when every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And you know what? We're invited to be a part of it, aren't we? So as we celebrate and praise the Lord, we can also pray, use me, use my gifts, my opportunities, and my relationships for your kingdom. Oh, may I then in him be found. 
Trust in His righteousness alone Faultless to stand before the throne Christ Thank you, Poving, for this uh, morning's sermon. Receive the benediction this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So, my friends, go in peace. <laughs>